It is good to be uh, together today as we get uh, rolling back in what we believe and our family values. Um, it has been nice to know that I've been able to have a little time with our family over the past few weeks and to know that God has gifted people like Pastor Scott and Pastor Omar to share uh, his word in an incredible way. Um, even last week to sit and to worship um, has been pretty fantastic. So um, we, we hear that buzzing too. And so we know it's there. The monitors are dead. So that may have been what's going on within the, the fix of that. So if y'all will focus the best that you can through that, I will project as much as possible and we'll make it, make it work. Um, there was a, a quote that was a part of my morning Bible study today um, as I was getting ready that I didn't intend on using, but it goes really well as we talk about the family values of, of what we believe about man, uh, about mankind uh, and, and that area. And so in the midst of that, um, this quote came up and I thought it's just too good not to read this is what it says it's from a, uh, a minister who lived in the 1600s uh, who was uh, kicked out of the church for probably being a little bit too biblical was probably his problem and he said this Satan fell in heaven Adam fell in paradise and Peter fell in the presence of Christ church what we want to know what we need to be well aware of is that we are men and women who are born in sin we don't start off doing fantastic and then lose our grade along the way that we men and women are born in sin and so in that there's a little statement can we put that up on the screen about what we believe this morning if you have a that'll show up on your thing if you have your your piece of paper next to you um, it'll also say it there. Do we have that statement? May not be in there today. All right, it's gonna be on your paper. Church, can we bow for a word of prayer? Because I really feel like the enemy does not want us to talk about this today. So can we just pray as we get rolling? Lord Jesus, um, Lord, you're in control of every single thing. Lord, from the lights to the speakers to the screens to, uh, Lord, the sounds to the distractions in our hearts and our heads, Lord, even, even from what we brought in. And so, Lord, right here and right now, Lord, we give this time to you. Lord, the reality is we come to serve you and worship today. And so, God, let us serve you. And we pray that you would allow uh, the enemy to be at bay, our thoughts to be held uh, back, God, and allow your word to be lifted high. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in your little piece of paper, if we get up on the screen, great. If not, we'll read along together. But it'll help you know and you can take this home with you. When I was writing out what do we believe about man and trying to condense our larger statement to a smaller one, um, this is what we have. And you can read along with me if, if you desire. If you don't have a piece of paper, that's okay. It says this, man, male and female, is God's special creation. Uh, and Excuse me, special and sacred creation. Made in his own image, in the beginning, innocent and free. Man chose slavery to sin when tempted and fell from innocence. Now every person born is inclined to sin as soon as given the opportunity, we choose it. Only the grace of God through Christ Jesus can restore fellowship and enable man to fulfill God's created purpose for their life today and for eternity. 
Jesus Christ's sacrificial death for all men shows that every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and Christian love. I know that wasn't quite as tight and, and, and easy as others, but I think it's important as we lay, lay this out to make sure we do it well. So today, we're going to take a piece of that and, and try to unpack it and understand it. But if you're wondering, what do we believe about man? Like from beginning to end, mankind, this is the statement that summarizes it as best as you can summarize a biblical doctrine that is woven through Genesis to Revelation. Um, and, and here's what I thought about. I don't know about you, but uh, our kids at church do uh, some incredible stuff. Um, I'm not sure what you look at uh, to remind you that God is at work, um, but I look at mostly drawings that our kids give me. Um, I'll be honest, I love it when adults give me stuff, but I'll kind of show you some of their things. This is a birthday packet our first and second grade gave me. Um, there's just something special about a kid's drawing. In fact, if you're, if you're a kiddo in here, we have our, our storyboards where you take your sermon notes. I go and look at your sermon notes every week because I love seeing what God is teaching and showing our kids. But you know, not everything I have is quite as clean and pretty as some of these cards. About four years ago, a child came up and gave me this. This was their favorite matchbox car uh, taped to... Uh, a, a drawing of theirs and if you can see that on screen um, it's, it's pretty incredible let me tell you when a child comes up and they give me a drawing like this I have a choice to make have you ever had to make this choice too you can make the wrong choice do you know what the wrong choice is guess amen the wrong choice is to guess what they're drawing. Some of you, and I've learned this the hard way, would come up to this picture, and I'll hold it here. If we can zoom in. Can we zoom in on this one a little bit? There we go. I'll hold it. There's the right angle. That's it. Oh, I love that. Someone look at this and say, oh, I totally get it. You're pulling the thorn out of Paul's side in Scripture, and you're witnessing to other people watch that happen church that is not what that drawing is about amen amen so so you have a choice you can guess what it's about or you can make the right choice do you know what the right choice is to ask the creator to ask the author to say this is incredible because it is tell me all about it and do you know what? Whenever I ask a child what this is, they don't, they don't say, uh, they know the whole story. They know that that line got there because their sister bumped them when they started it off wrong. They, they know what they're trying to tell. It's amazing what we can do with just a, a picture from a child. We, we can know either to try to guess and impose our wisdom onto their creation and give ourselves a pat on the back if we get somewhere close, or we can actually encourage and compliment the author and creator and have true understanding about the gift that we've been given. Like, that's our choice guess and pat ourselves on the back if we get it right one out of a hundred times or compliment the creator and have something meaningful when it's done now, now here's what i want you to know and to be aware of 
I want you to know what sin says about man is that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that has ever lived outside of Jesus Christ has insulted the creator. Every single person who's ever gone has, has said, God, I, I want to guess. And, and, and if you tell me that this is a picture of a king and a queen crowning their dragon friend, I just want to improve it. I just want to make it better. Let me tell you what. When you and I try to improve on the creator's creation, that is insulting. It's a sin. I've shared with many of you before. My mom tried to give it to me the other day. She was downsizing. My eighth grade picture for rodeo art, I drew a cowboy standing in front of a barn. My mom saw it in the hallway and said, David, you won a prize. I went up. My teacher had gone back and improved upon my drawing. Don't get me wrong. She probably made it better, but was I happy? No, wait, when my mom, I am 46, this thing happened eighth grade, however you old in eighth grade, 14, let's go 14. So we're saying 32 years ago. She said, David, would you like this picture? I'm like, I never wanted the picture. You just kept it to torture me. You just kept it to remind me of what it's like to insult the creator. Like, that's why we do it. When we talk about man and sin, as soon as we are able, every boy, every girl, by their own will, has chosen to insult the Creator by abandoning His plan for their desire. That's what Scripture teaches us. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 55 with me today. Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to start in verse 8 and 9. Now, if, you're a, if you've got multiple ribbons in your Bible and that's who you are, if you've got a piece of paper or gum wrapper, however you can do it, we'll also be in Acts chapter 9 today, okay? So Acts chapter 9 and uh, Isaiah chapter 55 is where we'll be if you like to get ready and get prepped. But I want you to listen to what Isaiah chapter 55 says to us about God and man. And, and this is a foundational statement to understand the distance between us and God. All right? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 say this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth... So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are your thoughts, okay? Now, focus in on verse eight again for me because God does something and he makes two statements and there's, they're constant no matter what our interpretation is. One's from his perspective and one's for yours. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. God declares in this statement two constants, a constant about himself and a constant about man, about all those image bearers of God. Every male, every female, man and woman that's ever been born, no matter how you interpret it, it doesn't change these constants. And here's the constants. The constant is this, is God is different than you. And you are different than God. That, that, that is the necessity, the, the, the definition of what this passage is saying is you and I are not the same image bearer. There's some special and there's some sacred things about you, but we are not the same. 
The problem is most of our life in sin, we bend ourselves to act as if we are. There's a German philosopher who's um, quoted all kinds of ways. He talks about the tension between these thoughts. And this is where he came down to. He said, the real question is, is man God's mistake or is God man's mistake? That was this German philosopher. He said, this is where I land. As big of his mind is supposed to have been, is man God's mistake or is God just merely man's mistake? Here's what that's saying. It's saying that neither of the constants of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 are true. This philosopher's last name is Nietzsche. And, and here's the thought. When you and I start to try to understand and redefine and interpret God or men outside of his purview, what we're saying is this, a constant isn't a constant, and what once may be, have been true is no longer true. See, as much as I would reject this idiotic thought today, at some point in time, you and I have wrestled with this idea that are God's ways really higher than mine? Or does he need my help? Right? Is God, is he really higher than mine or does he need my help? Here's what it sounds like in church. Jesus, Jesus spoke this, not me, so you can be mad at him later on. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, he says, This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What he says is going to church, doing the good things, doing the right things, trying to move your life, all of these ideas that you and I work for, they're insufficient. Because in and of ourself, anytime you and I try to improve on the author's creation, it's sin. Now, the, the problem that Nietzsche would find herself in and that we would find ourselves with is sin is this, is that we would say, God, since I can't understand it, let me just work on it so that I can make it make more sense. And then it will be easier to tell everybody about you. You just need a little help of mine. You see, what sin does is this. Sin creates this innate inclination of yours and mine to better the plan of God. That's, that's what it is. There's something to fix. There's some mistake. I need to better something, someone, or myself. And, and the interesting kind of twist in this uh, plot is that the inclination to improve by your hand on what God has planned is sin. The inclination to improve on what God has planned is sin. And we have chosen it over and over again. But church, it's just so foundational. Because if you and I don't believe that God's ways are higher than ours and our ways are not his, then what we're basically saying is this. Although I will worship you and give you in charge of the things that I'm not aware of yet, 
on all the things I can currently comprehend, I am the master of that house. God, I will trust you with all the things that I don't comprehend yet, but with everything I do, my finances, my family, myself, my friends, my morals, all of those things that I'm aware of, I've got this, you can pay attention to someone else. Church, that is self-worship. That is creation worshiping itself. And here's what I mean by that. When you and I interpret this scripture and it engages our identity, here's what it says. What I believe about man determines who assigns definitions. If I believe man is God, then each person can define anything in any way that they desire and actually become offended if there is a God who cares about their identity. See, again, we're gonna come to this a lot today. If I don't care about the creator, which I do, then I will make this say whatever I want to because he gave it to me, it's mine I am now in charge of it. And by accepting it that way, I have rejected the creator and I have become the one who knows best for this picture and what I have planned for it. And who are you to judge me? Because I know my plans for this, says the new owner of a five by seven car. What we believe about God's ways being different than ours defines purpose. What I believe about man determines, excuse me, the source of a person's purpose. And then I assign weights to it. If I believe man is God and I don't know my purpose, then I don't have a future and what's the point of living? If I do know my future, then I can elevate myself to a place of worship. The ends justify the means. It's better to ask forgiveness than what? Permission. You see, this is what sin does. It makes us think God's ways are not higher than ours. Our ways are not different than God's. It makes us think about value. What I believe about man determines the value of life. If I believe man is God, then I determine who has worth and who doesn't, and that includes me. If my ways and God's ways aren't different, what I believe about man determines whom I give credit to for each and everything I do. I encounter and I go through. Who is the chief one that I celebrate in and with my life? What I believe about man determines credit. Who I give credit to about everything. Control, what I believe about man and God matters. If I believe that man is God, then submission isn't in my vocabulary. I might say, God, I worship you, but all you have to do is ask my friends and my wife, I'm a control freak. I'll shut you down if I need to shut you down. I'll open the door when I want to open it up. I'm a control freak. I need to know what's happening, when, where, and what not because I am accountable for it through my choice because my pursuit and what I think of me or what I think others think of me, it's all up to me. That sin, that saying my ways and God's ways are the same involvement. What I believe about man determines what people are worth my actions. 
what people are worth my actions. If I don't believe God's ways are different than mine, then I justify anything I want to because I know how to live my best life for God today. Church, what we know and believe about this passage matters. Isaiah chapter 55, verse eight and nine, inspired by the Holy Spirit, speaking directly of the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways. And just in case, this is my addition, just in case you were wondering whose were better, verse nine, for as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The constant's still true. That's not changing. But if we look at this passage in humility and repentance, what we're saying is this. God, somebody has to lead. God, someone has to be in charge. Someone has to get all the credit. Someone has to be trusted with my decisions. And Lord, it is you. You drew the picture, so you are responsible for unpacking it in your time, in your place. I am here to sit, to follow, to listen, to run hard with you, after you, alongside of you, however you call me to do so. See, when we realize that, we start listening to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me. Follow me. I have a plan for you. Follow me. You who were in sin, let me lead you to life. Follow me because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are different than your thoughts. You and I cannot unpack. We have to be given the mind of Christ look in your Bible to Acts chapter 9 this is the story of Saul to Paul the conversion of one of the most prolific writers in the New Testament in Paul's life we see a man born in sin come to know life in Christ and what's beautiful about it is Paul didn't realize it chapter 9 Verse 1 through 4, if you'll read your Bible with me. But Saul said, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling into the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The start of verse 5, and he said, Who are you, Lord? Church, if you've ever wondered why sin was our first choice, sin is our first choice because we thought it was right. If, if you were to look at all the sin in your life, even the times you have sinned when you knew it wasn't the right thing to do, why did you do it? Because you wouldn't lie to yourself. You could say, I, I don't think this is the right thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. If, if you've ever said, I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, the reality is what you're saying is, I believe the right thing to do is to say whatever I'm going to say. So, so really hold your apology back because what that really does is just punches someone in the right cheek before you swing your left. Amen? Right? 
instead just say i'm going to be a jerk right i'm just i'm just going to break protocol because i think it's the right thing to do see we choose sin because sin is the whisper of rebellion that we have bought into and we believe in it paul is persecuting christians he is going out asking for letters that he might jail and kill followers of the way of jesus christ why is he doing that because he believes it is the right thing to do you ask yourself how can men and women have so many different views and so passionately believe it's the right thing to do the answer is sin at the end of the day passion does not define rightness the emperor when his new tailor held up nothing in his hands and said only the wisest can see fools won't see anything didn't trust himself he bought into a lie and he wore the lie acting like a fool so long that he would jail anyone who wouldn't follow the lie and become a fool listen to what Paul does in sin believing he is right let me shut them down, let me kill them, let me do what needs to be done. And when Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? I don't know you. I know you're the Lord, but I don't know you. Proverbs chapter 16 says it this way, all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. And the Lord weighs the spirit. Church, I want you to know this because I think we can forget that we have been in sin and we need to remember this. There are a lot of people in this world, in fact, I would tell you the vast majority of this world who passionately believe in what they have bought into as right and they believe it is the right thing to do and that anyone who stands in the way of that is doing wrong. I think there's a reason that God calls us to stand firm because the world has embraced rebellion. And church, we have to remember as we're looking at fallen men and fallen women in this world, we can say, God, I know I shouldn't make fun of them, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna throw the death on the cross out the window because I just want a cheap laugh. I can stoop to their level and be angry in the way that they're angry. The difference is this, I've been set free and they haven't. It's just like Paul Church. In Christ, but prior to Christ. Sin is our choice unless Christ. Unless you give yourself to Christ. Church, this is what it means every feeling or idea that you're born with, every inclination that you've had since as long as you remember, it's not a mark of God's favor. It's most likely a mark of sin. A great friend of mine passed away three years ago. He was a paramedic in his life and he gave his life to Jesus Christ later on. He lost his job as a paramedic because he became addicted to the drugs that he would use to treat the people in the ambulance. And as I was walking through Kroger with him one day, 
He said, David, can we go this way instead of that way? And I said, sure, why? He said, because every time I walk by the pharmacy area, I, I smell it and it calls me to it. As we talked, he couldn't remember a time when he wasn't like that. And if not for Jesus Christ, that was his whole world. But let me tell you what my friend knew. Even though that was what felt right as long as he could remember, he knew because of the consequences of sin and because the reality of the saving grace of Jesus Christ that what I have always known is not the mark of God church when we try to argue with ourselves or argue with others about identity or self we need to be looking at sin we need to be aware that the mark of the creator looks different than the rebellion of man paul thought he was right and he wasn't go a little bit further verse 5 with me and we'll go down to verse 13 verse 5 says it this way it says and he said who are you lord and he said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Then men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although uh, his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now listen to verse 10. And there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. He has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Ananias, a follower of the Lord, answered, Lord, I've heard many things about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Here's what Ananias says. In this moment, he says, God, I understand you, but I've assigned a different value to his life than I have to my life. Now, Ananias would have never articulated it that way because, because good Christians, we know how to frame things well and even good sinners know how to frame things well. When he says, but God, I know you're telling me to go check this guy out and to go lay my hands on him. I know you're directing me to do so, but I have a better idea. I value what I can do for your kingdom more than I value putting my life in danger in front of this guy. I just wanted to say it. The Lord shuts them down very quickly, church. But what I want you to know is sin assigns different value to different people. But God has already assigned a value. Let me, let me give you a picture. The, the young man, the boy that drew this picture, assigned a certain value to it. And he, he gave me the picture with that assignment in it. If I don't esteem and hold it to the same value of the creator, then I am telling him his value system is what? Wrong. It's wrong. So, so as Christians, when we walk through this idea of my preference is my priority, that's wrong. That's sinful. But what God says about man is as image bearers of God, you and I are worthy. 
Every race has a full dignity that they are deserved by God's people and every person a love and respect that points to Jesus. I'm not saying admiring worldly sin. I'm saying pointing to Christ. We were on vacation a couple of weeks ago and uh, where we stayed, it was a long walk um, to where the coffee and the almond milk is. You can judge me later, but we just talked about assigning value as God's job. So I go and I have a habit of giving, getting iced coffee and I put almond milk with it. Uh, if you've ever been there with me, I really get almond milk, put a little iced coffee in it. But I had to walk to get it. And one morning I walked it up, I walked back and I saw a guy in a shirt who obviously was different than I was in many, many ways. We didn't have to talk about it. And he's wearing this shirt and I told my daughter about it when I got back to the room. The shirt said this, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And I got back and I'm like, Ashley, I saw this shirt and I wanted to give the guy, cause I had like a First Baptist Church Pearland shirt you know, walking around, this kind of thing. And, and I said, is it wrong that I really badly wanted to give him a high five and say, exactly, yes. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. As, as broken people, what sin has says is because you're offended doesn't mean you're right, but when I'm offended, guess who's right? Right? Isn't that what sin points us through? My family is loud and brassy. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. What I'm saying is if you don't lack loud and brassy, something's wrong with you, right? Your family may be may quiet and hold things in private. You may say, hey, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Church, at the end of the day, you are correct. You and I cannot find redemption. We cannot find value. We cannot find hope in any broken man or broken system. Therefore, the only place we can know what's right is when we go back to the creator. And man, because of our brokenness, has no desire and no strength to do that on our own. And so if you are offended or offensive, Here's what I want to let you know. That sin wants you to stay there because you were born that way. In Genesis chapter one, God created man in his own image. And our offense at God messing up or needing our help has been selling us on a lie of self-transformation for so long. It's self-help books, it's elevating self over slaves, self-help over submission, uh, manipulation and mutilation over redemption, and the results are clean. Guilt, suicide, depression, destruction, sin deteriorates the sacred. And it starts the moment you breathe and you choose it the moment you can. Church, that is what scripture says. That is what Paul does. So why in the world would you and I seek a man-made plan to solve a problem that we embraced so freely that man is sinful, broken, and in need? Chapter nine, verse 14 and 15, God says this. He says here, he's here on authority of the priest to bind all who came in your name 
But the Lord said to him, go, for he is chosen, a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Ananias was not in charge of making Paul new. So how Ananias valued himself versus Paul was inconsequential. Saul needed Jesus and God had a plan for him. And the only way to find that plan is by the injection of himself into Saul's story. Colossians chapter one says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. For he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That means first, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. Church, there's a reason. We won't, we won't stop reading there, but there's a reason that Paul says, you need to know who Jesus is. He is not a man like you are. He is not a slave like you are. He is not broken like you are. He did not choose rebellion like you did. He did not try to improve upon the plans of the creator like you did. He is one with God and holds all things together. He is able to do anything he sets his heart to do and this is what he chose to do verse 21 of Colossians 1 and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he is now reconciled in his body by the flesh body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach church Paul says the man who was trying in himself to do right by devaluing others, by taking their life, the man who was so self-deceived by the sin that he had chosen that he believed the destruction of image bearers, the manipulation, the mutilation, the crippling, the humiliation of image bearers, that that would be pleasing to a holy God. The man who is stopped on the road by a God who he thought he knew whom he didn't. Whom Ananias had to value equal to himself because of the command of God. He pins these words. Oh, fallen, broken people. Our God is different than us. Let me count the ways. He is preeminent, he is first, he holds all things together. There was none before him. He is the reason that life can come from death. All of these things, and this is what he has done. He has chosen by his will, not by your plan, to break you free from the chains that you chose from the moment you could so that you could be made new. Death to life, no longer hostile in mind toward God, no longer hostile and evil in your deeds towards man, but instead united with him. Church, 
Salvation is offered, not earned. But it must be received, not just accepted and put on a shelf. But the good news is this. No matter your history, no matter the mistakes you'll make tomorrow, our God is strong enough and great enough to break those chains and leave them broken. He is able, church. So the question is this. In your life, if you walked in here just trying to do right, trying to do right by your family, right by your future, right by your children, right by your your neighbors, right by your work, right by yourself, If that's how you came in here, let me encourage you right here and right now. What scripture says, you cannot do it because your ways aren't high enough to do right. Because they are not the same as the one who is right. But by the grace of God, through the preeminent almighty Lord, he gave his son death on the cross so that you don't have to seek the solution to right that you can follow the one who is right to life. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. Lord, we come to you today and Lord, we absolutely know that you are worthy and you are able. God, this morning, God, we want to be right with you. Are we... We confess, and and, and quite honestly, God, I I don't know if it's humility or if it's just solace, God. I just don't think there's a sinner in the world who's not trying to accomplish what they think is right. And their thought, no matter how evil, was just as depraved and just as broken as mine was. And yet while I was a sinner, you still died for me. Not because I did enough right, but because I realized I couldn't. I can only be made right by the one whose ways are as high from mine as the heavens are from the earth. God, thank you for not being like me and I know I'm not like you but I can be right with you so Father God if there's anyone in this room man or woman, boy or girl who has not been made right with you through the life and testimony and the blood of Jesus Christ confessing him as higher than themselves and submitting to follow him as Lord and Savior God right now, would you break those chains free? Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with